Welcome to the Vergecast, the flagship podcast of variable immersion. I'm your friend David Pierce, and I am sitting here updating a bunch of apps on my Meta Quest 3. So I tend to go kind of in and out with VR stuff. I had a long run of doing workouts in Supernatural, so I was using the thing almost every day. And then, you know, it was winter, I got lazy, so I didn't do that for a while. And then recently I got really into the Assassin's Creed game, Assassin's Creed Nexus VR. It's super cool. But then I had one of those moments of being like, okay, I'm spending too much time with this game. Time to stop. But recently, I've been picking this thing back up because I'm going to be honest with you, I've been having some FOMO. So this week is the week Apple's Vision Pro comes out. We've been waiting for Apple's AR, VR, mixed reality, whatever you want to call it, $3,500 headset to come out. And it's coming out this week on Friday, February 2nd. I've been hearing from people who pre-ordered one. I've been hearing lots of ideas about apps that are going to come out. It all seems very exciting. And it's just making me feel bad because I don't have one. But you know who does have one? is Neelai Patel, the Verge's editor-in-chief and my Vergecast co-host. So we figured for this episode, we would just grill Neelai about the Vision Pro. He spent the last few days writing about it, testing it, trying to figure out what this thing means in the world and whether it's worth your $3,500. So we got lots of questions from you. We have lots of questions for Neelai. Alex and I are going to spend, I mean, potentially like many, many, many hours asking Neelai all of our questions about the Vision Pro to figure out not only if it's better than this thing, the Quest 3 that I'm in right now, but if it's the future. Is this the next thing? Is this where we're headed? So that's what we're going to do for the whole rest of this episode. It's all Vision Pro, all the time, all week, because it's headset week. All that is coming up in just a second, but first, I feel like I just guilted myself into doing a workout, so I'm going to pop into Supernatural for a little bit, do some boxing, and then we're going to get to it. This is The Verge Cast. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome back. All right, it is 9, 10 a.m. on Tuesday, January 30th, which means 10 minutes ago was when the embargo for Vision Pro reviews lifted. There's a bunch of them out there. Our friend Marquez Brownlee has one. Our friend Joanna Stern has one. CNET has a video I was watching. I Justine has a fun video that I was just poking through. There's a bunch of good stuff out there. But before the review publishes is actually one of my favorite moments, especially being sort of inside the process, because you go through all this testing and you have to decide what to make of this thing. Not just is it good, not is it cool, does it have some neat features, but is this a good package? Is this worth buying? Is it worth the price? And I think the challenge for us and from watching some of these reviews for a lot of other folks is to figure out what to make of this thing. Everybody seems to agree that the tech is amazing. There's just no question that Apple did a lot of the things it was trying to do very well. But to what end? What is this for? What is this thing about? What are you supposed to do with it? Why does it exist? These are the big like existential questions that both as a reviewer and as a person thinking about buying a product like this, you have to think more about with a first-generation device like this. It seems like the Vision Pro really is the first of something, but exactly what that is and where it's going and whether we want it is hard to know. So about 24 hours ago, as I'm recording this, we sat down with Neelai. We dragged him into the studio in this like haze of doing all of the review stuff and tried to go through that. Before the review publishes, before he'd seen anything else, before we'd gotten comments and everything, I just wanted us to sort of pick his brain about the review. So for the whole rest of the show, it's going to be just me, Alex Kranz, and Neelai Patel, and we are going to go deep on the Vision Pro. 
Neil's review, how he felt, what it was like to use this thing, and a whole bunch more. Let's get into it. Neil Patel, welcome. Hello. Alex Krantz, hello. Hello. Neelai, we have to talk about your life status. We've all reviewed <laughs> gadgets, all three of us. And I know that this is the point of the process where it can either be going very well or you can be ruining a lot of things you've decided about your life and decisions you've made in the past that have led you to this moment. How are you feeling? I want the audience to know that David has chosen to record this podcast with me at the most vulnerable time for any reviewer. <laughs> this was very much on purpose. Yes, it's, it's right now it is 27 hours before embargo time. Yeah. Which is when everything about everything you've ever done in your life is suddenly up in the air. Yeah. So I'll just just to give people the context, I've had the Vision Pro for a little less than a week. It'll be six days when you hear this. Apple security arrived at my house, the Vision Pro last week. It was pretty intense. Um, and we've had it. We've been using it. This is the moment in the review process where the video is shot. It's being edited. The written review is mostly written. It's in edits. And I'm just sitting around waiting to see if I'm right, which, again, is the most vulnerable part of any review. Like, I've done, I've said what I think. Here's what I think. And then tomorrow it'll get published and everyone will yell at me or not yell at me. Who knows? But so David is like, this is when I want to talk to you, uh -huh. which is mean and unfair. <laughs> That's the perfect time. Yeah, I feel I feel really good about it. And you can hear it. We've been pulling basically all nighters for a week. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Yeah, you can hear it in my voice, I think. It's been a lot. So in an effort to make this easy on you, basically what is going to happen here is we have a long series of questions, some of them from us and some of them from uh, listeners. We asked for questions on the hotline and in the email and on threads, and we got a, like a billion of them. Some of them are very weird, but basically we're sort of at the top here. We're going to go through your review like beat by beat. I just, we have a bunch of questions and we're going to talk about them because this thing is weird and complicated and we're going to sort of wind towards your big feelings about this at the end. And then we're going to get into a bunch of questions we got from people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So the whole first section of this is called, is it good? <laughs> <laughs> and we're just going to name a bunch of things and we're going to ask about if it's good. And Alex, you should obviously ask all the questions I'm missing. Lots of stuff going on here. But okay, we have we have a bunch of these. But the first one is is wearing the thing. Is it good? Medium. Okay. Medium. It's heavy. It is not not heavy. Everything about this product is a fight between what Apple wants it to be and what it is. As I've been using the thing, there's a very clear gap between Apple's ambitions and dreams and the product that they can make. And the product they can make today is the best version of this thing that anyone has ever made. I, I want to be very clear about that. The headset you put on your face where you look through lenses at a screen, no one's ever done it like this. It is very good. It is obviously not the thing that they want. And so their ambition is just like way out ahead of the reality of this product. And the reality of this product is that it's heavy. It weighs more than an 11-inch iPad Pro. 11-inch iPad Pro is 470 grams. This one is somewhere between 6 and 650, depending on its configuration. Then there's the headband situation, where the really cool one, the one you want to use, the solo band with the ridges in the back and the wheel, the one they, like, designed. The full ski goggles look. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and that's one I've been using. It's it's fine, but there's, there's, like, not a lot of affordances in it. So, you know, like, the back of your head, there's, like, a, a ridge, mm -hmm. you know, to your neck. Like, those are in different spots in different people's heads, but there's no, like, hinge point. So if you just get what you get, like, the thing just compresses around your head, and wherever the back of your head lines up with your eyes, that's what you get. You know, it's it's like, there's just that. There's the, the fact of the thing is there's not a lot of affordances to wearing it, and then when you're wearing it, it's hot. Like, it gets hot after a while. And maybe that's you get hot after a while. Maybe it's it gets hot after a while. But you're like, I'm wearing a big heavy thing on my face. And then you just take it off. And then when you take it off, you're no longer looking at screens. You're just back in the world. And you're like, oh, this is very nice. The thing that I remember, especially with a lot of the early Oculus and Quest stuff, was there was that feeling where you would take it off and you would kind of like scrunch and stretch your face because you would realize like your your forehead and the sort of bridge of your nose had gotten just tons of pressure yep. as you're wearing the thing. Is that the feeling? Like, is, is it sort of the same thing? Oh, yeah, especially on my forehead. Okay. I feel like uh, after a long while, you feel like your eyebrows are just working. Like, <laughs> you just you just start doing the thing with your eyebrows. You're like, I'm just going to lift it with my face a little bit mm -hmm. more. Uh, and, then you, and then you monkey with the fit. It's not the worst. Like, make take the decision to take the battery out of it to reduce weight, I understand why they made that decision. 
and it, it's fine because the thing is such a stationary product, like in its way, that the battery just goes on the table and you're fine. But it is like they had to do it. If they'd add the batteries, that's 383 grams or something. If they'd added another 383 grams of weight to this, it would be a, a disaster. Yeah. So it's as close as they can get it to being comfortable. But for a long duration of time, it is not. Okay. Can you expand on it being stationary? Does that mean you're just like everything you do in it, you're just sitting still? Yeah. You know, like you and I talk about the quest all the time. The quest yeah. wants you to get up and move and play Beat Saber and Supernatural and. There's a, games in the quest are like virtual reality games. So like, I'm going to run around in virtual reality. Right. I'm going to do stuff. This thing is like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to look at windows. Mm. <laughs> okay. Like, and the, those windows could be everywhere. <laughs> but like, mostly it's sit down and look at stuff. There are surprisingly few games for this thing that feel like you need to move around. The only one I've seen is Super Fruit Ninja, which was in a demo, which is not even out yet. So I haven't even gotten a chance to play Super Fruit Ninja. <laughs> Which is very funny. And I haven't seen a single VR game yet. There are some coming, right? The thing supports Unity. I'm told that Unity developers across the industry are working very hard on bringing games. We'll see. That's to be seen. But all the games right now are mixed reality games where just like a game board is floating in space. Yeah. So it seems like it is big and heavy in the way you would sort of expect it to be big and heavy, but not like worse than a lot of other things. Like it's just a headset. I feel like so much of this, and it goes back to that thing you were saying at the beginning, like Apple would love for this not to be a headset, but it's a headset. It is super a headset. <laughs> yeah. uh, you're going to ask all these questions about, is it good? And the frame for that, all of them, is like, is this the best headset ever made? Right. And the answer is almost always yes, <laughs> but it's a headset. Yeah, so just add parentheses for a headset to all of the questions we're about to get to. Yeah. Uh, the next one is the displays. Are they good? This seems very important. They are displays. This, this is what I mean. You cannot. <laughs> the displays are incredible. They are a triumph of engineering that you can't see pixels. The pixels are smaller than red blood cells, right? They're 7.5 microns. They're about the size. One of those very cool and totally meaningless. <laughs> right. But it's like they're like it. itty bitty. Yeah. Like, and then each of those pixels has three RGB subpixels. This isn't like a pentile pattern. It's like straight. Like Apple calls it S-stripe. You can go look at a photo. It's RGB for each subpixel, each of which can be individually controlled. Like the engineering of this little display panel, or two of them in each device, that works when you're moving your head around. Like I'm beyond impressed. But then you're looking at them through lenses, and there's just the reality of a display in a lens system. So the lenses have specular highlights, or what looks like specular highlights when you look at something bright. The lenses have color fringing, like green-pink color fringing around the edges uh, that if you look for it in certain conditions, it's just going to be there. The lenses are slightly vignetted. The lenses are slightly distorted at the edges. I asked Apple about this, and this is – they know. Like they're, they're like, we're doing a bunch of hardware and software to minimize these effects. But as you – they were they said something to me like, as you, you're well aware of displays and lenses, you're obviously familiar with these problems. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here they are. Uh, here's a thing that I, I keep thinking about, and I actually really want your feedback on whether this is important or not. Apple's spec for the display is 92% of the DCI P3 color gamut, which is an incredible – thing to put on a web page. It sounds really good. That's an Eli bait right there. DCI-P3 is like, you know, high-end color gamut for cinema people. But it itself only represents like 53 or 54% of the colors your eyes can see. Mm. So 92% of DCI-P3 means the displays can only show you 49% of the colors your eyes can see. I'm like a display. You know I'm a display nerd. Oh. I don't care on a laptop or a phone. <laughs> like, this is stuff I, I think about and I like, I like reading about. If you're like asking me to look through it all the time, I'm like, well, you just threw away 50% of the color information in the world. I don't know how to, like, I emotionally do not know how to like comprehend that, right? Because in every other context, I just don't care because I can just look around. <laughs> so displays are incredible. Like, I don't want to overdo it. The displays are incredible. They are a, a triumph. No one has ever engineered or shipped displays like this at scale. They're so, just think about how tiny those pixels are. And then you're like, oh, they are still displays. Right. Like, you never forget, right? You never forget. You are looking at screens, like the Ooh. most screens. And then, on you know, the reality pass-through is camera-based. So there's just, like, motion blur. Even a bright room, when you, like, look around, there's motion blur on the displays. You can't – you just can't overcome the inherent nature of cameras and displays. So the question is, like, is the, are the displays good is really a question about, like, how is the 
product designed to be used? And can the displays do all the things that you think they should be able to do? And the answer is they are the most incredible displays ever. They're a triumph of engineering. You are still looking at screens and being asked to perceive reality through screens is a, is a tall ask. Yeah, it's a weird one. I feel like for this first run of this, when this technology is new to most people and new to like existence, that feels like a somewhat acceptable trade-off, right? Like we're, we're going to hit a point where, especially with something like this, if I am looking at my room and then I put on a headset and suddenly my room, which it's still showing me, is different, that feels bad in a way that like I turn on my TV and trees don't look the same color they do out my window, but they're like different trees in a different place. And my brain understands that that's a screen. Like your brain is not supposed to understand that this is a screen, right? Like that's what success looks like is that you forget you're looking at screens. And for now, at least it feels like I'm looking at screens and they're very good. Like just the fact that you didn't even mention how it feels to like read text on a web page feels like a victory to me because it means it was yeah. fine. And that is to me, at least for this first one, that's the bar. It's like, can I look at stuff? <laughs> and and it seems like we're there. You can read text on a web page that refresh rates, uh, it can go up to 100 hertz. I mean, again, incredible technical achievement with these yeah. displays. I, I, not even a hint of, boy, I can imagine how these displays could be better. Like, <laughs> incredible technical achievement with these displays. And when digital information, right, Windows, videos, Mac mirror, like all that stuff looks good. Mm -hmm. But again, the displays are being asked to pass through reality and your eyes are better than screens and cameras. And that is a historic problem. Like, I don't know that we can overcome that problem. Well, I was going to ask, is it, you know, when you think of AR, the two kind of most successful, I'm using big scare quotes here, most successful ones have been what Magic Leap and HoloLens. <laughs> That's a I use the statement. scare quotes, guys. <laughs> I use the scare quotes. Is the experience just that 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 interaction with the real world through this headset is that better in this than in those systems? What's fascinating about both of those is one, they failed. Uh, two, <laughs> uh, there's like no AR happening in this thing. None. Oh, uh, there are exactly three AR things that I have seen so far, and by AR I mean digital information layered over the real world where the real world and the virtual world interact. Okay. Right? So virtual reality, you're just in a virtual world, you're doing stuff in the virtual world, the real world doesn't matter. Mixed reality is what most people have experienced. It's what most of this is, where you're in the real world and you just like put up virtual stuff, but there's no connection between the real world and the virtual world. Right. Right. So I've got windows, Safari windows are open all around me. It's not like I'm, they're sticking to the walls. Like they're just like floating all around me. And then that bubble can move through the pass-through. That's, it's weird, but it, you know, like yeah. that's mixed reality and that's what most people are familiar with. And that's a lot of this. The three AR features I've seen so far in the Vision Pro, two of which I think are historically important, like should go down as footnotes in the history of AR. One, when you open a Mac laptop and you look at it and it's your laptop on your iCloud, a button floats above the screen that says connect. Oh, that's oh, awesome. that's cool. And you can you can just reach out and push it. And then your Mac display mirrors into the Vision Pro. Incredible. That rules. Two, when you are typing on a Bluetooth keyboard and you look down, it knows where the keyboard is and it puts a text preview window above it so you can look at your fingers typing on the keys and see what's being typed. Oh, so Ooh. instead of having the text box like way up here while you're looking down at the keyboard, it brings the text box down to the keyboard. Right. I've got a big Google Doc up there. I'm typing away and I look down at the keyboard and I can see what I'm typing so I don't have to like move my head around. Clever. And it, it positions that box correctly near the keyboard and it shows you what you're typing. That is a true AR feature, right? Yeah. Uh, there's a connection between what I'm doing in the real world and a connection in the virtual world, and they've made, and that is amazing. Again, I think these are like the first mainstream AR features to ever ship. Historic. The third one that I've seen is the loading screen for Super Fruit Ninja, where you can throw a strawberry at a pig uh, that's running <laughs> around your floor. Uh, that is not even shipping yet. I only saw that in a demo that Apple gave me. It, it feels less historic. I'm just going to say, I don't think that is quite as historic. I feel like this is true erasure of the thing where I can put an Ikea couch in my living room through my iPad. But that's what Apple has been demoing forever, I right? Know. That's the only feature idea anyone has ever had until this thing. And it's it's just not here. I asked and, you know, they're like, game developers are working on this. Like, you know, the most charitable read of this thing is this is a developer kit. Yeah. And so they're going to build all these, and they're, and they're yet to come. And, and I think that you, if you want to be really fair to this thing, that's how you think about it. But Apple's positioning of the thing, the thing they're asking it to do, 
the ad they put out is like people wearing it while they're just like hanging out doing laundry and a call comes in. And you're like, what is the value of wearing this if it's not doing anything for you? And the value should be a bunch of AR stuff, not I'm waiting for the phone to ring. And I, there's again, there's a real tension between the ambition of the product and how it's being communicated and the reality of the product. Yeah. Okay. That's good. So, and I think this is related and we've kind of halfway answered it, but the next one I had written down here is the pass through. Is it good? It is as good as any pass-through can ever be, and I think pass-through is a dead end. Okay. That's essentially what I wanted you to say. And this is where <laughs> this is where we get into questions about like optical AR and the question of like what are these things supposed to look like in the future? And one of your hobby horses, which you've talked about a lot on this podcast, is like a VR headset might be the wrong direction for this because eventually if it's going to be glasses, you're going to have things like peripheral vision and light is going to be able to get in from the outside. So like even the best possible version of this thing we're trying to do is not the thing. And and yeah. it doesn't seem like using this has changed your mind on that at all. It's displays and cameras. Yeah. So you've got a thing over your head and then there's a camera looking at the world for you and it's showing it on display. And that just, you already, if you're a Vergecast listener, you already know a bunch of stuff about cameras and displays. Just by osmosis from being around <laughs> yeah, the show. We're so for sorry. <laughs> In low light, what does a camera have to do? It has to increase the ISO or increase the shutter speed. They can increase the shutter speed because they need the latency to be so low. So you can tell what it's doing is really ramping ISO and then doing a bunch of noise reduction. So in low light, things just get the world is less sharp. Uh, I walked into my bathroom wearing this the other day and turned around <laughs> and I couldn't find the light switch. Oh wow. Right. It was oh, just wow. like too dark in there for me to see the light switch. I took the thing off and I was like, well, there's lights. You know, it's like, so there's a thing that happens there. Uh, it is incredible pass through. Again, it is the best that has ever been done on a consumer device. It is the best that most people will ever experience. Uh, Alex, I don't know about the, the Vario headset that you've talked about, but Addie is familiar with it. She was my editor on this. She's like, you know, it's an enterprise product. It's way more expensive. Like, so for a consumer headset, this is definitely the, the best pass through that has ever shifted. It might be better than the Vario, you know, but the Probably. Vario is like aimed at enterprise. Applicate. It's just like a different thing. For a consumer product, this thing is the best you will get. And it can do things that no other password I've ever seen can do. I can just use my phone with no blooming. Like Apple's HDR video processing capabilities are incredible. And they're doing it in real time at 12 milliseconds of latency. So stunning technical achievement. You're asking it to replace reality. You've set the bar so high <laughs> that, like, I don't know that it can be crossed. I can't sit here and imagine how you could make cameras and screens overcome their limitations in, like, a real way. Like, maybe noise reduction can get even better, but you have to make it 50 times better for this to substitute for reality. And so I, yeah. there's just – when I say it's a dead end, it's like this is as good as anyone has ever done it, and it feels like – Optical AR is still the thing you want, where light is just passing through some glasses, some lenses, and their the screens are being put over it. And that's really hard. And I think there's a reason Apple shipped this, because no one has gotten there yet. There was some technology uh, not that long ago, I think it might have been self-driving cars, that somebody described as like really amazing and three physics miracles away from being possible. And I feel like there's some of that in here, too, that it's like the things that we're doing here are incredible. And we fundamentally have to change the laws of the universe in order to get to the next thing after this. Yeah, that that feels that feels correct with this device. It's kind of like robotics, right? Yeah. Where you're totally. always expecting the, the robot to walk like a human, but actually humans are really well made. <laughs> for that thing. Humans are yeah. not well made for mounting hardware on like a VR <laughs> headset on your face. I have found myself wondering in talking to you about this thing many times who the like platonic ideal of the Vision Pro wearer is and like what the measurements of their face are. Because you know there is like there is a head in there that is like just crushing it with the Vision Pro. Apple, you know, Apple like measures everyone's ears to make the AirPods. I asked if there was a maximum head size, okay. and I was told, uh, we have not considered that, but there is a maximum hair size. <laughs> wow. It's Craig. If you have bigger hair than Craig. <laughs> it is like very, it's not like a small, it is very large, but there is some sort of maximum hair size. We have to find the maximum hair size. This is now the first cat's main goal. Uh, all right, let's keep going. Audio, which I think is a sneakily important and kind of under-discussed feature of all of these headsets. Uh, is it good? It's great. No, no complaints. It is very loud. Uh, the spatial stuff is really cool. When you push the window, I watched uh, the NFC Championship game on YouTube TV in the browser nice. on, the, on the thing last night. And as I pushed the browser window away, the Detroit Lions got farther and farther away from me. You know, like, <laughs> that's cool. It is very loud. Everyone around you can hear what you're doing. 
So if you are in a public place, you should wear the you should in particular you should wear second generation AirPods Pro. You mm-hmm. can use any Bluetooth headphones you want, but the second generation AirPods Pro get all of the features. Mm-hmm. So they get spatial audio, they get lower latency, they get forty eight kilohertz. Like you just want to use those. Also feels like the right. You don't want big headphones with these. Like you don't need more weight on your head yeah, as you're wearing exactly. Vision Pro. Yeah. Okay. But in but no no notes. You're a guy who cares deeply about this stuff. You're you're good with spatial audio. You're happy about this. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure if I had more time and sleep, I would have notes on the audio, but no, no notes. Everyone has just been sneaking up on you for several days now. <laughs> <laughs> but again, there's not, again, because there's not a lot of like AR experiences or even VR experiences, that thing hasn't happened. It's just Windows are playing audio at you. I was on a FaceTime call with Joanna and Marquez so we could look at personas and, uh, <laughs> oh boy, and they, their PS3 characters sounded like they were talking to me from where they were, which is cool. Part of that is really cool. All right, one more, and then we're going to take a break, and then we're going to get into some of the, like, how you use this thing stuff. Battery life. Is it good? Irrelevant. Mm. That's my answer. It's uh, it's fine. Uh, it's two and a half hours. Okay. Uh, we haven't had a chance to, like, do a battery rundown. I'm not even sure that I would want to subject anyone to do a battery rundown, and that's what I mean by it's irrelevant. If you are in this thing for two and a half hours, boy, are you going to feel it. I can't, I just, I personally cannot imagine a situation where you want to be in it for that long. I know Joanna wore it for like 20 hours straight or whatever she did. Some enormous, I don't know what the actual number is because as we are recording this, I've not read her review. But when I had talked to her on that FaceTime call, she'd been wearing it for five hours. I'm very worried. I love her to pieces. She's one of my very closest friends. I'm so worried about her. (laughs) I just can't imagine a situation where you want to hit the battery life. And then because it is so stationary, you're, it feels like it'll be close to power. Now, the one situation where you, I could see it being a problem is a plane, mm. but then you're sitting, so you can just like plug in a battery. Like you'll be fine. Can you hot swap the batteries? That's a question we've gotten a bunch. Um, you cannot hot swap the batteries. The batteries are—it's um, a mechanical twist connector. It's a very satisfying. It's like a big mm. cyber decky twist connector, you know, and it lights up. The battery has a motion sensor, so when you pick it up, the light glows green or orange. It's very Apple. There's no button to tell you the battery status. It has a motion sensor inside. Sure. At thirty-four sure. ninety-nine, you can do anything. <laughs> so it just picks up and glows, but you can't hot swap it from the headset itself. You can just plug another battery into it over USB-C. All right, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and talk about a bunch of the ways you actually use this thing. We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. If you want to connect with your customers, you need to break through the noise. You need Constant Contact. Constant Contact is a marketing platform that makes it easy to reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and connect over email, text, social media, and more. Whether you're a marketing guru or just learning the ropes, Constant Contact offers writing assistance tools and automation features that make it simple to say the right thing at the right time. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. All right, we're back. Next one on my list. I think we should get into the like life inside of the headset thing. And I feel like there are two big parts of the how you use this thing that really 
sort of define whether this thing is going to work or not. I guess the, the first one is, is the eye tracking. So eye tracking, is it good? It's as good as anyone has ever shipped eye tracking. <laughs> I'm just going to start playing that for myself at the beginning of every one of these answers. Which version of Toby does it really like perfectly replicate? <laughs> That's Toby with two eyes. <laughs> it is the best eye tracking that anyone has ever shipped. Yeah. I, it's not good enough. Ooh. This is I, like I'm just going to keep coming back to this and it's going to be frustrating until you use it. It's the best. The first time you use it. Until you use it, it's hard to even for me to explain what I'm talking about. Yeah. The first time you put it on, and we, I, you know, so many of us have had that demo, it's magic. You look at stuff, it highlights, you click your fingers together. If you get it wrong, like, oh, you just have to get used to it, right? Like, that's the experience that you have in that first demo. The idea is basically, like, where your eyes focus is a cursor, is sort of the way to think about it, right? And you're sort of moving that cursor around with your gaze and... You look at a button in order to be able to click on that button, right? Is that like, is that a reasonable way to think about the metaphor there? Yeah. You know how the iPad cursor kind of snaps? Mm -hmm. It's that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right? So you just sort of like, if buttons are big and you look in the general area, they will highlight. Oh, I see. The okay. Fascinating thing about this is one, I think Vision OS is designed for eye tracking that is slightly more precise than it actually is. Like that's how it feels. Ooh. It probably isn't. It's probably designed to be exactly as it's Apple, right? Meaning but, like the buttons are like a little too small and a little too close together. Yeah, I'll just give you one super dumb example. The keyboard is like ridiculous. <laughs> like it's just a fully like they needed to have a keyboard and it's there, but there's no way they want you to use that keyboard for any serious text input. The keys are too close together. So you're like sitting there trying to look from one letter to another. <laughs> And you're just like, I hate, I hate this. And then you just give up and you like dictate to Siri or you connect a regular keyboard and use that keyboard. There's no way you should use that keyboard. And part of it is that it is just fun. It's fundamentally ridiculous. Part of it is just like the, the buttons are close, too close together and you will sit there trying to look from the E to the R and the system just like won't let you. And I've never Ooh. looked at a letter as hard as I've tried to look <laughs> at a letter. And you're like, I'm looking at it, man. Your brain is saying like R, R. Uh, yeah. And the, sometimes the easiest thing to do is to look completely away and try again. Right. And maybe the thing is like, you know, I can't quantify it. Maybe it's 99% accurate, but that 1% just like ends it. But it doesn't like wiggle. Like Toby would sometimes kind of wiggle. It wouldn't quite register your eye. It's the best eye tracking that has ever been shipped. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. This is the best anyone has ever done it. Without yeah. question, it's the best anyone's ever done it. And you know, a keyboard on a computer is 100% precise, right. right? You push a button, that button is pushed every single time. Multi-touch iPhone is actually not 100% precise. There's a lot of algorithmic work happening to yeah. make a touchscreen appear to be 100% precise. Like a lot of work has happened over the past decade to make those touchscreens feel even more precise. But they appear to you to be 100% precise. And when they are not, like when autocorrect fails, which is an experience everyone has, you are utterly frustrated, right? When when a touchscreen goes dead and you're jabbing at a button, it doesn't do anything. Whew, that's awful. Right? That's the worst. worst. But most of the time, a touchscreen appears to be 100%, like direct input control. Your eyes are bad <laughs> at that. <laughs> like you are just constantly looking at stuff that you don't want to look at, right? Yeah. Or like you're looking at the biggest thing instead of well, the play button is the biggest thing in a video player. And I constantly want to push the plus 10 seconds. But my eyes are like, look at how big that play button is. And so I'm just looking at the wrong thing. And that is, it's the best anyone's ever done it. And it went, uh, Addy's line was, it works until it doesn't. Mm. Right? And my version of that is, it feels like magic until it is not. Yeah. And there's ju it's just a binary. So I, this connects to hand tracking, which I think is your next question probably. Yeah. The hand tracking is exactly the same way. It's magic until it is not. And particularly where it's not is when it can't see your hands. <laughs> which like I'm just sitting at a table right now. If I just had my hands on my, my lap, it couldn't see my hands. This is a ridiculous complaint. The hand tracking system needs to see your hands. No other computer stops working if it can't see your hands. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if you want this to be a primary computing device, like your hand, it has to be able to see your hands. If I, if you're just standing up and your hands are by your sides and if you're like me, they kind of like fall behind you, it stops working. <laughs> And so, like, it's the best it's ever been shipped. Without question, it is the best it's ever been shipped. It just hits the wall of reality, which is the thing is not actually, your eyes and your hands are not actually controlling this device. K 
cameras are watching your hands and your eyes, interpreting them and turning that into input. And that interpretation has real limits. So like to keep it fully functional at all times, you have to kind of like keep your hands up at all times? No, it's a pretty big bubble around you. Okay. So like if you are, it's basically like if you sliced your body in half, it's the plane <laughs> of the body in front of you, like all the way around. So uh, if you're sitting on a couch and you've got a hand over the side of the couch, it, it mostly works. If you are anywhere, anywhere can see your hands basically. But okay. if you, if it's really dark and you are lying down, and the IR floodlights in the front can't sort of like reach down and see your hands and light them mm -hmm. up. The cameras can't see your hands. So they can't use it. It's like you're, you're just going to find all of these places where like if you aren't meant to wear this thing all the time, the, they will come up more than you think. But mm -hmm. in most uses, it feels like magic, right? It's this line. Of key, it, it is absolutely magic until it is not. Oh, and then the other thing that's funny uh, is that it is always using your hands as input. This is what I was about to ask about. Like, have you had to train yourself to be aware of your eyes and hands in ways that you wouldn't be? Yes. Otherwise? Like you, anyone who has ever watched The Vergecast on YouTube knows Neil, I never, ever, ever stops moving his hands. You touch the mics, you're moving around, you're gesturing at stuff, you're pointing at yes. things. You're, you're like, are you like aware of these parts of your body in new ways after using these devices? Yes. In particular, you have to sit still. Mm -hmm. When I write scripts for a decoder or for video reviews like this, I talk as I write to make sure I can read what I'm writing and it sounds good and flows. And I move my hands when I talk and I was just scrolling all over the place by accident, <laughs> just whipping windows around for no reason, just clicking on stuff. Uh, and I was like, oh, I got to I got to keep my hands still. Some people do not secret their hands. It's a very personalized complaint. But if you do, you're going to notice mm -hmm. you have to sit still unless you want to do something. And then the other thing is that you have to get used to the control being linked to your eyes. And that is not how you use a computer. How many times have you looked at something on screen and just banged around the arrow keys to get around without looking at the arrow keys? Constantly. All the time. On the Vision Pro, you have to go look. Right. Right? That, and that's just like the simplest example. On a phone where, you know, there's a little bit more collapse between what you're looking at and the controls, how many times have I opened Lightroom and like moved a slider back and forth while looking at the photo to see how the brightness is changing or whatever? Uh, on the Vision Pro, you got to look at that brightness slider. Weird. Weird. Does it feel like that friction could ever go away for you? Like at some point you could see yourself doing it more naturally and it's just you've had five days with it. Yeah, I've had five days with it. You know, I've asked Apple about this particular thing. This is a big philosophical, meaty design yeah. question, right? Yeah. Like should the control of the thing be directly linked to what you're looking at or should those things be disconnected? And so, you know, obviously – I'm, I'm asking this. I'm just wandering the streets being like, what is the essential nature of input? <laughs> this is what I love. I love it. I love talking about this stuff. And they're like, you get one, you get used to it. And two, that it's not the only input on the system, right? You can connect a Bluetooth keyboard and trackpad. You can use Siri to do all this stuff. Like we want to expand the range of computing inputs beyond the mouse and the keyboard. And after five days or six days, I'm kind of like, well, the mouse and keyboard are historically undefeated. So yeah. good luck. You know, like. I, I agree with that. The one that's missing there is like, I think there's a way of looking at the Vision Pro that is sort of an amalgamation of all of the technology Apple has ever built to do anything mm -hmm. all in one device. And the one that it feels like it's missing is multi-touch. Like it's, it's surprising to yeah. me, given all of the stuff in here, that there isn't a way to reach out and touch the buttons on the keyboard to type. You can't, you can punch one finger at a time. Oh, you can't. Oh, okay. And you can't multi-touch. Okay. Right. So it can register big movements of the hands. I want to like uh, big is the wrong word. So you can type on it like a typewriter kind of. Yeah, you can you can henpeck on a, on a and you look f silly and it's slow and it's not 100 percent accurate. Sure. And like I said, that but you can do that. Right. Like uh, we don't have optic ID set up on ours because other people like the video team is constantly using it mm -hmm. and trying to light it up and all this stuff. And so everyone puts it on and they punch the code into. Oh, interesting. OK. <laughs> right. Instead of doing the thing, because it's just it's just a big phone keypad or what looks like a phone keypad shows up in front of you and you're like boop 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 and it's like very funny to watch everyone do this every time they put it on okay so that is a fallback option at least makes me feel a little bit better about this i do think there is a thing that the the eye tracking it just adds another step to everything you want to do yep the, the example i always give to people is like your muscle memory knows where all the app icons are on your phone so, like, if you if you had to think about looking at an app every single time you wanted to open it, it would be annoying. And it's just your your fingers learn where things are uh, in a way that is useless to you 
on the Vision Pro. Yeah, you have to be looking at things. I'll give you another example. Actually, the multi-touch example is a really good one. So a Quest, right? You have controllers, and every VR company loves being like, you're a DJ now. They just love it. Then, you know, in my 20s, I was like, I'm going to be a DJ. This <laughs> Feels right. <laughs> if we all, we all go through this period. We all had that moment. And in all subsequent decades, Neelai has said yeah, those things. I'm still a DJ. <laughs> I'm playing tonight at Soundbar. Uh, so in the Quest, you have controllers in your hands. And you, like, look at Tribe XR, which is the DJ app on the, on the Quest. Uh, and it's floating in space. And you, like, reach out. And it shows your hands. It doesn't show the controllers. And you push the button. And it looks like you're grabbing the fader. And then after a while, your brain kind of remaps. You're like, oh, I'm actually grabbing this fader. I'm actually twisting this knob. And your hands are doing some controller stuff, right? They're just like gripping uh, or pushing the, bu- the trigger button. But it, after, your brain just kind of like remaps to that thing. Vision Pro doesn't have that. It's got taps. So you look at a knob and you tap your fingers and drag it the same way you do anything else. And it's like, oh, I'm not. There's no connection between me physically interacting with this floating deck in DJ, which is the Vision Pro version of this, the way that in Tribe XR, it's like, I've got a controller, I'm pushing buttons on the controller, and because something tactile is happening to my hands that looks like something tactile is happening over here, like, my brain is just, like, rewiring to be convinced that that is actually happening. Now, can I DJ in any of these apps? (laughs) No. (laughs) Absolutely not. But the Vision Pro is, like, because you're just tapping your fingers together, it's like you're clicking. The difference is very much between, I would give you the difference is feels very much like the difference between a touchscreen and a mouse, right? Where a touchscreen feels like you're directly controlling some pixels and a mouse is like, I'm clicking on stuff. Okay. So sort of like when you're on a touchscreen and you're trying to play an old, like a Nintendo game on your phone, it feels like garbage, but then younger people are just used to phone screens. And so it, they don't hate it as much. They they can play Fortnite and stuff. Yeah. I watch uh, Max plays Minecraft on her iPad. And I'm like, how are you doing this? Yeah. So she'll have a great time. Yeah, so may- maybe the younger people are going to live fully in headsets, and it'll be fun. But yeah. it's that—it's that control dynamic. Is you—you you will feel it in a way that, again, like he's saying, it is the best it has ever been done. Is it good enough? Like I don't know. I—I I don't know. I don't know if it can ever be. It has to be fifty times better. Mm. By the way, can I say this thing, please? Because I haven't given this a score yet. So we're going to spend all night debating the score. I think shipping a thirty-five hundred dollar computer whose default input method is not a hundred percent consistent. That's a full point. Yes. That's a full point, right? 100%. And one out of every hundred times you hit a key, it just made up a different key to do. Yeah. You would not like that keyboard. Yeah. Right. And there's all these other affordances and whatever, but like that feels like a full point. Yeah. Anytime I review an e-ink device, I have to like <laughs> knock off a point because it's not going to work all the time. That's brutal. You type three letters and then four seconds later, it types two yeah. of them and then something else. <laughs> um, okay. Let's get to the the two main use cases that I think we and others have identified for this thing so far. And you should you should add to this list if there are any obvious big ones that I'm missing. Uh, but the first one is using it essentially as a monitor for your computer, as a, a thing to attach to a Mac and do stuff with. Is it good? Yeah, that's really good. Caveats. It, one, it's really good. You put Especially if you have a, a laptop, uh, you push the button. The thing that I really enjoyed doing was putting the the virtual display over where my Mac display had been, my MacBook display had mm. been, and then making it really big. So then you're like, I have a 50 inch MacBook Pro. I uh. use Lightroom. It's cool. Like that is just cool. So it's like you have your Mac on your desk, and then a giant ass like TV sized monitor in front of you. Right, but like where the MacBook display is. Uh, mm. Can you do the thing from your Mac where you have like a bunch of windows spread around the room or whatever? Can I put Mac apps in all those places or is that just Vision Pro apps? You get one single Mac display. You can't have multiple Mac displays, which I know a lot of people want to do, uh, which you can do to much less good effect with Quest headsets, right? Like there are apps in the Quest that just let you have multiple monitors. I assume there will be those apps for the Vision Pro, but by default and with all of the cool iCloud stuff that you want, which is really important, it's one display. And by the way, the cool iCloud stuff, magic. You know, this is like an iPad on your face. Like it's a very easy way to understand what's happening here. And the cool iPad stuff that uh, continuity can do is amazing in this context. So you're using a Mac in this window, and then you just scroll the mouse on the Mac trackpad over, and it turns into a Vision Pro cursor. You copy from the Mac in this window, and you paste it in the Vision Pro app over here, and it just that's works. Cool. Very cool. All right, so that's that one. And then the other one is basically using it as a TV entertainment system. This is the one I think Alex and I are both the most theoretically excited about that feels like it could be the most immediately useful for people. Is it a good TV? Super good. Okay. Very good. 
I watched way more of Top Gun Maverick than I wanted to. And by the way, I watched it on the treadmill at uh, 2.7 miles an hour, just walking up a hill very slowly. Okay. I did not try to run. I was like, I'm not, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about this. But I was like, can I take a slow walk watching a movie on the best TV I can get in near a treadmill? And the answer was unequivocally yes. Very cool. Uh, it does this really cool thing when you put it in environments where the light from the TV reflects on like the mountain. It's it's just all very cool. The caveat I will give you is it supports 3D. It supports high frame rate. It's the only consumer device that supports high frame rate 3D. So you can watch Avatar Way of Water at 48 frames per second in 3D. Mm. I don't know if that's good. <laughs> it's just like that's what James Cameron wants. Like you you can you can live that life. I watched five minutes of that and I was sick. Oh wow. And I, you know, like I'm pretty good at VR. Like I do, I, I play Gran Turismo VR, right? Like I'm, VR motion does not drive me too crazy. But this was like too much and I had to take it off immediately. So I would just be careful. And there are no guardrails anywhere in Vision OS to tell you to be careful. The, the one that I've seen um, is if you take a spatial, like a, a first person video and there's a lot of motion in it, it will detect that there's a lot of motion in it and be like, be careful watching this one. It does not say be careful watching Avatar Wave Water. Interesting. <laughs> but if your own video, it'll sometimes say be careful. You should always be careful watching The Way of Water, no matter the circumstances. <laughs> you should always be careful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the TV stuff is good. The thing that I will, two caveats there. One, you're alone. There's no, you, even if like three of you have a Vision Pro together, you can't sync them up. So you can't look at the same thing at the same time. I mean, you can manually sync them up, which is sad. Like, if you find yourself with like three people wearing a Vision Pro counting to three to hit the play button on Avatar, like... <laughs> Just, just buy a TV. It's like the thing on a plane <laughs> where you, you try and hit play on, on both screens at the same time. It's good stuff. Yeah. So like there, but there's no in, in OS syncing of that stuff. So you can, yeah, I'll watch the same thing, which is weird, right? Movies are somewhat social experiences. And then two, you can't screen record what you're seeing. Like Disney will just DRM that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this sucks. Like that's me being like, oh, this sucks. Like a huge part of the experience of watching shows right now is like sharing clips, social media or whatever. And you can't. Weird. It's and, it, and then it's your eyes, right? You're like, I'm seeing this. Look at how cool the light on the mountains is. I can't show it to you because of copyright <laughs> restrictions. Weird. Yeah, I'm sorry fair. for laughing. That is weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's weird to be like, oh, like Bob Iger has DRM'd my eyes. <laughs> I don't like that. Very Black Mirror feeling. Like, I just keep yeah. thinking that the episode where she, like, gets her her husband out of the way or her boyfriend or whatever. And yeah. it just feels like these, this headset's really equipped for that. <laughs> but not in a pleasant way. It's weird, man. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Are there any, like, big picture use cases other than those two? Those are the two people seem to mostly ask us about and also being, have been kind of imagining since this thing first launched. Is there anything that, like, leaps out to you as equally big to those two things? No, to be perfectly blunt. And I think the Mac thing is, uh, I want to see how people actually react to it. Yeah. Like, it's cool, and it was really cool, but 2560 by 1440 is not enough. Yep. Like, my 16-inch MacBook Pro is more resolution than that, right? So it's cool to have a big, like, editing in Lightroom huge is great, but then the sort of reality of the resolution is actually, you're going to find yourself fighting it. And then, you know, TV is TV. Like, some of that stuff is really cool. Um, but, I was again, I was watching the playoffs last night. There's no Fox Sports app to scream in 4K. And I was watching YouTube TV, 720p Fox at huge size. It's like, you, Yeah. you. <laughs> Fair. There's a part of me, and I'm just a shameless plug for the TV that I'm convincing myself was not an extraordinarily splurge purchase. You can go buy an ISO LED for far less money, and then you'll have a really nice TV that you can take pictures of if you want to share something. But then Bob Iger will come to your house. And <laughs> yeah, then your Bob, jail. he's like, look, I'm not busy enough. Uh, I need you to stop doing that. Just cuts the cord off. Um, all right. One more before we take a break, and then we're going to do some listener questions, and we're going to get out of here. The Vision Pro. Is it good? The Vision Pro is the best version of this thing that anyone has ever made. <laughs> okay. Which, okay. To, to Apple's credit, has basically been what it has been saying about this all along, right? Like, the answer to why is this thing $3,500 is because it is the best one of these we can make. Yes, without question. It is the best version of this headset that anyone has ever made. It is unquestionably still a VR headset. And as a primary computing device, I do not think VR headsets are it. Maybe this thing just proves that point to a lot of people, right? It is weird to be alone using a computer the way that this thing makes you alone. Hmm. Mm. We haven't even talked about the front display, right? The, you know, the big thing about this that is supposed to make you not feel alone is the front display showing your eyes to other people. <laughs> right. We can't see them most of the time. They're super, it's super dim, and that glass is really reflective, 
and mostly people are like, am I supposed to be seeing something? And you're like, it's my eyes. And they're like, ah. <laughs> I was like, is that actually maybe a good thing that you can't see it most of the time? They don't look good. They look like they totally look like CGI. Mm. It's a super low res display in there. Like I've seen the part, you know, in a briefing. It's you can just like it's just a grid of pixels, like a sports stadium screen or something, or the sphere. <laughs> uh, God bless the sphere. Here's a question: Would you rather live in the Vision Pro or live in the sphere? And the answer is the sphere. <laughs> okay, sphere is a little more expensive, but you know it's okay. Uh, but it's really dim. You can't really see the eyes. Uh, you're never making anything that actually looks like eye contact. Like it's just that's not happening. So it's like you're just alone in there. And like the stuff that I think is really cool, like yesterday I was walking around the, the cafe of our office, which is huge, and I just had windows all over the place in there. Just windows for days, just like over tables, floating in space. I was just walking around looking at stuff. And I was like, this rules. And no one else could experience that with me. Like other people just saw me looking around pointing at nothing. <laughs> uh, I just think there's something lonely about that, like really intensely lonely. And I would rather not have that experience. And so I think VR is great. I, like, I'm a VR headset user. I love playing Gran Turismo in VR. I love Supernatural. Like there's single use applications, mostly gaming, that make a lot of sense to like have a focused, lonely experience for using an iPad. I don't know. I like half the time I'm like, look at this on my screen to someone else. And that is really hard to do. Yeah. So I, it is the best version of this that has ever been made. But I went through and looked at every Tim Cook quote about VR and AR for the past decade. And his complaint about it always has been VR is isolating. And like I'm here at the end with the, holding the thing. I'm like, yep, VR is pretty isolating. Yeah. I mean, that the, the like big question I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about and covering over the next few years really is, is the Vision Pro like the end of that arc in which we realize that's not where we're headed? Or is it sort of overlapping the end of that arc, but is actually the beginning of the next thing. And I think Apple wants you to believe it's the beginning of the next thing, but what it built looks more like the end of the VR arc. And so I think which it turns out to be is going to be really interesting over time. We can end here. There's a real danger reviewing a first-generation Apple product. Yes. Yep. I, I feel it, right? Like, nobody looks back on a first-generation like Quest review and is like, they got it wrong. Like, a first-generation Apple product, especially when you're in a tiny group of reviewers, people look back on it and they're like, you got it wrong. And I know this is a risk to say, but I'm going to say this. This feels like it will convince a lot of people that some of these technologies are dead ends, mm. right? Like you, if, you, if you can try as hard as you want, you can be one of the richest companies in the world. You can put all of that capability in. And there's a lot of this thing that feels like Apple made it because only Apple can make it, right? Like the giant's just looking for a fight and found one. <laughs> Great. I think that's so cool. Like I, I have no qualms with that. Go get it. But that means if you look at this device, you're like, oh, pass-through VR does not actually substitute for the goal, which is optical AR, where you're just looking through a pair of glasses and the computer's putting stuff over reality. Like, that's the goal. You got to get there. And this thing, there's no, there's no path from here to there. And I, I don't know. Like, that's my big take from this thing is, like, it feels like Apple needed to build a simulator of the computing experiences it wanted to build. And if it talked about it that way, it might be a little... A little more charitable, but they're like, show their ad is like people are just like doing laundry in it. And it's like, no, that this this is not that thing. Okay, all right. Well, by the time you're hearing this, Neil's review is live. The video is live. Go watch it. Go read it. Uh, we're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna come back, and we're gonna do five minutes of quick questions, and we're gonna get out of here. Be right back. This week on the pitch, we're back to pitches, and this one's coming from my job. What podcast AI does is it lets podcast producers become 10 times more productive. How much are you charging the pitch? <laughs> We're charging $99, and Josh came in right before we doubled our prices. Mm -hmm. What's keeping something like a restream from just going like, yep, we do all this AI now stuff too? So there's a lot of these older companies that are tacking on AI, mm -hmm. and that's kind of the issue. They're tacking it on. You built this really quickly. What's to stop anybody else from doing this? What's the moat? How do you build a moat when you're building with AI? That's this week on The Pitch. Go right now and subscribe to The Pitch wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, it's Tom Warren, senior editor at The Verge here. Microsoft is in an era-defining moment. It's betting on AI as the future of work, 
its Xbox business is going through transformational changes, and the Mac versus PC war is about to be back on. So I'm launching a newsletter called Notepad. It'll be your inside guide to all those changes and beyond, from details on the next Xbox to that one time every Microsoft employee named Michael appeared on a mysterious email list. Whatever is happening at Microsoft, you'll be able to read about it first in Notepad every Thursday. Go subscribe now at theverge.com forward slash notepad. All right, we're back. So I have a big list of questions. Uh, thanks to everybody who called and emailed and posted with questions. We've answered a bunch of them already, which is great. Uh, so we're just going to blow through a bunch of the ones we didn't do already. The first one is a hotline question from Joe. Hi, my name is Joe. And about the Apple Vision Pro, what does the thing smell like while you're wearing it? Neelai, we got this question so many times. I cannot tell you. <laughs> How does it smell? I need to know. I don't know why people ask this question. Here's my suspicion. Uh, AirPods Max out of the box had a smell because they were like manufactured in China and then shipped over here. And like they, whatever particular process around the fabric, I think, has a smell. So there's like a tiny whiff of that smell and it immediately went away. Will they smell after you sweat in them for a while? Mm. I don't know yet. Okay. Don't know yet. Um, I do know I had a little zit on my face with a video review and I wore a little bit of concealer and it got on the headband. And I asked Joanne about this, and she's like, that's covered in my review, too. Interesting. But here's a big question. Do you want to wear a computer that messes up your hair every time you use it? Do you want to wear a computer that messes up your makeup every time you use it? It's a different, bigger question. Uh, And that stuff might smell. Yeah. (laughs) Like, once you cake this thing full of sweat and makeup. Okay. All right. That's a good one. Next, a question from Matt. And we talked about this a little bit, but I, I and it seems like the answer so far is we'll see. But he asks, is there any gaming use case beyond playing on a virtual screen with an Xbox controller? That it seems like you can just do now, right? Like you can play games kind of from a Mac or in theory from Game Pass through Safari or whatever. But have you? is there any other gaming stuff you've seen that sparks something in you? Uh, no, I mean, the, the games are all like iPad games in 3D. I played What the Golf, which is really fun. Nice. But it's still like, it's in 3D, right? Those are... It's a 3D game inherently. You're just looking at a 2D thing. And so, like, they just built it so it's virtual and you, like, pull back and let go. Um, There's nothing like NFL Pro Era or, like, any of these big VR games. They are to come. I'm told they are to come. But nothing yet. Uh, And that's actually a good segue to another question that we got from Kyle, who says, I want to know what iPad ports are like and if there's any jankiness with them, both in how they work and the general UI. Basically, like, apps that are just iPad apps that they check the checkbox to say, put it on the Vision Pro. What have you seen so far? Uh, I think it is very telling that Apple shipped a bunch of its own apps as iPad apps. Fascinating. iPad apps are designed for your fingers, and so the eye tracking is even more frustrating in iPad apps because mm. all the targets are even smaller. They work. They, there's no, there's no not working. Right? They they work. But you will inha- you will realize like oh the same way that putting a mouse and keyboard experience on a touchscreen can be frustrating. I was just going to say like have you ever attached a mouse or one of the keyboard attachments on the iPad with the trackpad? It's like it feels cool and also like it was clearly not designed for that. <laughs> yeah, and you can you know if you have a they sent me a Magic Keyboard and Magic Trackpad. I had those connected a lot. You can just like it, that all looks like iPad OS. It's all the same stuff. So yeah, they're totally usable. There's no particular weirdness there, except if you're using hand and eye tracking, you will quickly discover that the apps are designed for not that. And sometimes (laughs) that shows up. I think it's totally, it's like barely a criticism. Like it's just obvious what's happening. It's better than like when all the iPhone apps came to iPad and it was very clearly like just the iPhone app big. Oh yeah. That's a good comparison. It's way, way, way better than that. Okay. Okay, good. All right. I have another hotline question. Another one, believe it or not, that we got multiple times from Ray. Hey, this is Ray, and this is a question about the Vision Pro. I wonder what happens if you look in a mirror with the Vision Pro on. Would it phase you in like it does with other people, or would it recognize that you're wearing the Vision Pro and not do it? And what happens if you turn on the fake eyes? Would it consider you a person that can fade into? Thanks. This is one of the first things I tried. Why do you think I was in the bathroom? (laughs) (laughs) You look crazy. because uh, I was like trying to see my own eyes, right? Uh, so yeah, it does show you your own eyes, but I can't tell if it is because it thinks you're another person or if it knows that you're looking at yourself, which is like a weird. Mm. Does a computer know I'm looking at myself? Is like that's another two hours. Yeah, we don't have time for that today. Yeah, like <laughs> but it it like nothing horrible happened. Like you're still here. No. <laughs> you looked in a mirror. You're still here. I was like, man, these eyes kind of suck. <laughs> 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 <Walk away. laughs> uh, okay, cool. We got a question from. Andy basically asking about multiple user support, um, questions about OS and software, 
adjustments for the hardware? Like, is, is this a device you can functionally share with other people? No, absolutely not. Uh, the only affordance is something called guest mode, where you say, put this in guest mode, uh, and then it lets you limit what apps whoever wears a headset can put can use next. And then it lets you limit whatever apps whoever is wearing a headset can use. Uh, and that's it. That's what you get. Uh, and then and then you're supposed to give it to someone else. They do a tiny little bit of setup just to align the displays. They don't even do the hand tracking setup. And that's it. And then, so they, then it's like you can only use Safari. And they give it back to you and you log in and you're good to go. But there's no multiple user accounts. Nothing. It's, it is, this thing is an iPad. Okay. But the same way that an iPad doesn't have uh, multiple user support, this doesn't have it. Did that feel like it heightened that lonely experience for you? Yeah. This is my computer. Like you give it to someone else. You're like, you can just use my computer now. It's weird. Yeah. Okay. By the way, a particularly weird thing about that is, uh, you know, there's optic ID. So someone else should not be able to unlock your computer. But because, again, because other people are using it for captures and all this stuff to make our video, uh, other people can just be my persona. <laughs> <laughs> like they can make FaceTime calls with my head. <laughs> it's like it's not at all how it's designed. It's just the reality of how we are using it today, which is wild. Yeah. Talk about the personas for a sec, because that was something we got a couple of questions about, too. This idea that if I make a FaceTime call or I go on Google Meet or whatever wearing this, that... It's not showing a camera version of me. It's showing, like, my avatar. Yeah. What's the verdict on personas? Uh, I will say what Marquez said when we did our FaceTime call for the video. This is very impressive and also bad. <laughs> uh, they're bad. They're in, they're, like, if I showed up in a meeting with a persona, I, I personally feel like that would be insulting. Mm. Uh, so the persona just replaces the front-facing camera. Right? That's how you should think about it. Apps don't know it's happening. They don't see it. They call for the front camera, and they get... Your persona. Oh, so the Vision Pro just reports to whatever app you're doing. Yeah. This is what the webcam is seeing. This is what the webcam oh. is seeing, which is fascinating. A great hack, like it, it, brilliant, right? Yeah. And then you know you do the scan and sees your face. They look like PS3 characters. Like we, I was talking to Marquez and, and Joanna on that call, and I was like, Marquez, this looks like you're about to give me an item that will help me fight the boss. Like that's how it looks. You know, like welcome to my store. Like uh, in any game that you might play, uh, they're ba they're uncanny. It's weird that they have decided that everyone has the same tongue. Like you don't scan your tongue, but you stick your tongue out. You have a tongue. Weird. Just weird. Like someone at Apple is like, do a tongue model. We'll just use it for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> do a tongue. <laughs> <laughs> like someone had that job, right? Just the Gene Simmons tongue for everyone. Yeah. It's like you can't get different tongues. You, uh, you're always wearing the same clothes. It looks like you've just had the worst Botox ever. <laughs> uh, like I took a call with our creative director, uh, Will Joel, to look at some design stuff. And he's like, I'm so used to looking at your face on these calls it's because you're looking at something and, you know, like your face betrays more than you ever say. And he's like, it's just, I can't. This is, I, this is not useful for me. So, yeah, I, Apple, it's in beta. There's a reason it's in beta. There's a reason they haven't shown it to anyone. Like, it's not good. Yeah. Like, there's mm -hmm. a long way to go. I, and it's like. You know, for all, I keep saying it has to be 50% better. I can see how this can get 50% better. It's very obvious. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, all right, two more, then, we'll, then we're out of here. Uh, from Jesse, what is it like looking at real-world displays through pass-through? TVs, PCs, phones, smartwatches, et cetera? Fine, but blurry. Okay. Yeah, that, it, fine, but blurry. Fair enough. Like, I, I can just use my phone, but it's blurry. And last one from Arun Raj, who asks, uh, is the digital crown really useful to gradually transition between VR and AR? I don't see any point where a person has to be in between the two modes. They could have just switched back and forth. So using it, you will quickly discover there's a lot of times you want to be in between the two modes. Because if you put windows out in space and they're like going through walls or things, uh, it screws their brain. So you're like, here's a portal into depth. Like here's a portal into a big desert landscape. And so instead of walls in front of me, there's like depth. And now I can put windows into that depth while I still have the room around me and I like can look around. Uh, so that is very useful. It is an inherent, right? It's a big compromise over like, should this be AR, right? That's like, I'm creating a virtual environment to solve the problem of AR in this moment. And then you want to, you know, you have full immersion on the moon. But like that halfway setting, you, I ended up using a lot more just to create that depth for the OS. All right, Neelai, you have to go. Uh, you have now 26 hours to change your mind about everything. <laughs> chop, chop. Send more questions. We'll we'll do more of these. I, I know people are going to have infinite questions. Oh, for sure. And we, yeah, we're going to we're going to cover this a bunch. We'll talk about it more on Friday show. We'll, we'll we have a lot to do. And I think especially as we start to see more apps, we're going to talk a lot about this. So, yeah, I think we have a lot of uh, developers have to basically make this product work for sure. Yeah. So call the hotline 866-VERGE11. Email us vergecast.com. We'll put Neil's review in the video in the show notes. Uh, Neil and Alex, thank you both. Thank you. Yeah. 
All right, that is it for the Vergecast today. Thanks to Neelai and Alex for being here. Thanks to Neelai for braving all of these days and his deep, vulnerable state and coming on and talking about the Vision Pro. It's the sacrifices we make, everybody. Also, thanks to everybody who sent in questions via the hotline or email or on threads. They were all great. And please, like Neelai said, keep them coming. We're going to keep talking about this thing for a while. We'll also put links to Neelai's review and the video in the show notes, but we are covering the Vision Pro in every way we can think of. So keep it locked on TheVerge.com. Lots coming this week. This show is produced by Andrew Marino, Liam James, and Will Poor. The Vergecast is a Verge production and part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Neelai, Alex, and I will be back on Friday to talk about new web browsers, much more Vision Pro stuff, and everything else happening in tech. We'll see you then. Rock and roll. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.